Welcome to the Author's Porch, where every good conversation happens. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride from author to author. We want to give you an experience where you learn and enjoy the conversation. Authors tell you about their journey, you learn about new books, and at the end of the day, you go home with a smile on your face because the Author's Porch is a beacon of light bringing you home to the family you never knew you had. We hope that you enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome to the Author's Porch where every great conversation happens. We are extremely excited to have Dan Flanagan here on the show with us tonight. How are you doing, Dan? Good. Thank you. Thanks for being here, you guys. So it is a little bit of a shame, though, that uh, Dan had to close his blinds because before we came on and went live, we I had this great picture view, and I'm sure he had, you know, he gets to enjoy it every single day. But oh man, the view outside your office. So where it currently is your office located at right now? Because I see that you spend your time between a few different places yes uh now i'm almost exclusively in kansas city where where uh i sort of grew up and spent spent most of my life and our office here is in what you might call midtown by something called the country club plaza with a beautiful residential area outside and tons of trees and you know all that so that Man. that's a it's a it's a nice situation very much man i saw that view and i was like oh trees and uh, it was just absolutely beautiful now, is that kansas city missouri yes uh it's one of those things where the state line runs right down the middle of the uh, and this is just on the missouri side i live on the kansas side yeah, so I am originally from the Midwest, uh, born and raised in Indianapolis, Indiana, and and Festus, Missouri. So that area, my son is in the Kansas City area. So the scenery oh, yeah. is one of my favorite scenery. So when I saw that, I was like, home, home. But they don't get to enjoy it tonight. But they are going to get to enjoy a fabulous conversation when they when they learn more about you. And I'm going to give a small introduction, and then we're going to get right to it because. I hope 30 minutes is enough to let people understand the vast knowledge that you have. It probably isn't, but we're going to do our best. Guys, Dan Flanagan is a finance, banking, and bankruptcy lawyer by day, but a writer and activist by night. Hmm. <laughs> and I say it like that because there's there's so much going on. Now, I read that you published your first book, which was your PhD dissertation. Yes, that's correct. Like, I know a lot of people, anyone that has a PhD has to do a dissertation, but they, it's, they, like a book. Wow. And it was the criminal law of slavery and freedom, 1800 to 1868. Right. right. And that kind of culminated a lot of your career because you've done a lot of act activism type of work in trying to bring about things. Can you tell us a little bit of that background? Yes, um, I. Uh, that was a long time ago, uh, in the in the uh, early seventies, mm -hmm. uh, when when I wrote that and when I uh, got the PhD, and uh, after that, I I taught uh, at the University of Virginia for a couple of years. Really wasn't cut out for academia. That's all I ever wanted to do, but I, I just really. 
wasn't. And uh, so I became a civil, and, and I got a law degree at the same time I got the PhD. You know, the PhD was from Rice University, law degree from the University of Houston. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, um, and so I became a civil rights lawyer, came back to Kansas City, worked in that area for a couple of years, worked, uh, was the lead lawyer on the Kansas City School Desegregation case, original mm -hmm. one that was brought by HEW. And uh, uh, one, once that case was over, I realized that I'd be writing memos to bureaucrats the rest of my life if I wasn't careful. So, uh, so I, uh, uh, I drifted, I, I would say, in, <laughs> into the private practice of law, and I've been doing that basically ever since. Yeah, it's navigating so many things through life is is how you find your passion and you found your passion in many different ways from what I can see you know you took a break for a couple of years from law and you and your wife opened a drug and alcohol treatment center and when I saw that that's very near and dear to my heart because my sister was um, she was in active addiction for over 25 years and we wrote her addiction story so when I saw that I was I was taken back. Somebody who you, you look at lawyers and, and someone who has such a prestigious career like yourself with all the books and plays and, and movies and different things that you've done to take take time out of your life and do that. I commend you for that. What was the driving force for that for you? <laughs> the driving force was my own addiction, oh, wow. uh, really. And and I had wanted to be a writer mm -hmm. uh, from the time I was in high school. Uh, and in a lot of ways, I felt I kind of sold out being a lawyer because I didn't have the courage to be a writer. Fairly frustrated. Uh, but the, the uh, but had a serious alcohol problem, went to treatment myself and, and decided in the course of that treatment and sort of looking around, seeing how, how this residential addiction treatment center was run and what they were paying people and what I was paying. I said, you know, I think I could do this and it, it'd be a, a great thing to do. Mm. Uh, so uh, we got, got out of there and within eight months, we'd opened our own treatment center. Now, wow. uh, I had everything but capital. Uh, so I, I had to sell it out over the course of time, but, but it's still there. It, employs 400 people now a huge thing called wow. Sierra Tucson Tucson Arizona that's amazing you, you saw a need yeah. and you gave back you didn't just go and get treatment for yourself help yourself so that you could go out and make more money you said there's a need for this and I have an opportunity to give back because somebody gave to me right and in a way I I it really was a give back when I had to give it up, you know, in, in that yeah. sense, it really was, it turned out to be for other people and not for me. And that, that's, that's fine with me. You know? And that's kind of been the, the theme for your entire life. It, it seems because you've done so much, you, you've written a stage play. I see that you've written a stage play and also um, a screenplay pilot for the TV series called O'Keefe. Can you tell us about that one? Yeah, um, the this may be a little longer answer, but uh, for it, but when you know I had had this desire to write, and in the '80s when I uh, went to treatment myself, and and uh, 
uh, we, we developed the addiction treatment center. Uh, I also had the opportunity to do some writing at that point. And my first, uh, uh, initiative in that way was, was in plays. And it's very hard to, to work in drama because it's so hard to get produced and, and all that. But I feel like I'm better at that in a way than anything. And so I wrote two or three plays at that point, uh, one of which got a stage reading in New York. I, I thought I was on my way, but, but it's, just, <laughs> yeah. it's too frustrating to go from step one to two to three. Uh, uh, I, I also wrote the first draft uh, at that time of the novel that 20, 30 years later became Mink Eyes, the first in this O'Keefe series that, uh, okay. that, that, that I've written. So... Uh, that that's where and then then you know after a, a, a sort of promising start but then fading somewhat i just said i'm not going to do this anymore i'm just going to be a lawyer and be happy about that but 25 years later i came back to it it's writing i think is one of those things that if, if it's got a hold of you it's going to stay a hold of you you're you're absolutely right i think it for me it was a mental health journey um it's something that has always called to me uh, i was a middle schooler when i wrote the very first piece you know for school right i think we all had that assignment in school and then you just continue on this journey now one of the neat things that i got uh, before we came on the air I was told that how you won the Eric Hoffer Award, one of the three honorable mentions for the Legacy Award. And what that means is that uh, you had to go up against every category to receive this award, not just all in one category. You went through every genre and you got that honorable mention. And that's just a testament to that determination and that legacy that you have built over your career. Can you tell us what it felt like to receive such a, such an amazing honor? Uh, those honors really feel good when you're a self-published author, you know, because you don't have the validation of the publisher. And, and so when you put it out there, mm -hmm. you have no idea, but, but I've been uh, fortunate enough to have good, strong reviews. That's not the first prize at all uh, that I've won. Mm -hmm. uh, but, and, and so, and, and, and that says, okay, you, you can keep going here. You're, you're all right. And, uh, and, and in fact, once you get over that validation hump, it's so much better to self-publish because uh, you have complete control of everything you're, from your intellectual property on. And, uh, but this one, I like so much because I'm trying, uh, to write beyond the detective crime genre mm. and, and, and I believe generally that that genre can speak in a, in a way that literary fiction can, and in some ways more interestingly, you know, because you got some excitement going on instead of yeah. people, people gazing at their navel or whatever. And, <laughs> and so, so, uh, so I was really happy about the cross genre part of, part of that, you know? That yeah. It, it definitely says multifaceted for sure. Mm -hmm. So can you tell us 
more about on Lonesome Roads. That's your latest release. Yeah, uh, it's it's the third in this O'Keefe series. Okay. Uh, each of which I've tried to uh, make sure they stood up as standalone books, but they're also kind of a trilogy too, in the sense of whatever's not fully resolved at the end of one turns out something that you got to deal with in the next one. Uh, and, uh, uh, the original one I wrote, like the first draft and it changed a lot over time was written back in 1986. And, uh, it takes place in 1986. And, uh, when I went back to it, I thought, you know, what would be fun is to take, this character and group of characters in this character's orbit and try to bring it up as far as I can, as long as I live and can do it to the present day. Mm. And so, uh, the third one's now 1988. I'm not, I haven't gotten very, very far in the <laughs> chronology, but, but, uh, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's been interesting in that respect. And it's also about, uh, the main character struggle and, and his family and, and, you know, it's got a domestic aspect of it. It's, uh, uh, it, it's not just uh, guns and sex, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's really important to have people connect with those characters. And your character, Detective Peter O'Keefe, what would you say is one of his winning characteristics why do you think that america or anyone regardless of where they're at is ready for this character in particular um number one even though he's had his troubles and still has his troubles he's a good guy he's not yeah. one of these uh, we've got now all these villainous people that are everybody loves for some reason that I don't understand, but this is a guy who's struggling. You can believe in him. You can think of, you can believe him and you can think of yourself being in the same situation. He's learning his, his trade, you know, a, a, as you're, you're reading about it because he's been sort of picked up out of the gutter by his childhood best friend, a lawyer and, and said, I'm going to make a private detective out of you. And, uh, 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 and and he's trying to deal with his his family situation. He's got an eleven year old daughter. Uh, you know uh, what's going to happen with him and his former wife. You know, and uh, uh, so so th there's that aspect of it. Plus, uh, I'm, I'm really it's the hardest thing for me is to develop a good plot that's got some twists in it and that still believable but but and and so far the reviewers have have and that's what i've been most afraid of really i i know i can write character i know i can write setting i know i can write dialogue but yeah. but uh to develop a believable uh good plot and and i, I do have one thing these first three books deal a lot with the mafia and yeah. and uh his struggles with the mafia and in the in the 80s that was uh uh, you know that they, they were really under t attack by the federal government and so on, and a lot of uh -huh. struggle within uh, organized crime itself, and so uh, that that gives it a special kind of interest to people. I think. Yeah, that 
you could put a mafia story up and and people just salivate over that there's something about greed and crime that people want that story almost like viscerally they need to hear it's like a good gossip story but it's not gossip it's real life why do you think that that interests people Uh, so much it's really kind of baffling to me yeah but but (laughs) but you know it goes clear back to jesse james you know and, and and you know people who didn't deserve to be seen as some kind of a hero but but were Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, but there, I think there's some fascinating with the mafia, it's fascinating ethnic group with this familial thing, even though a lot of it's as, as false as you can possibly believe yeah. and a whole structure around it. And, 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 uh, so, uh, and you know, it's interesting. It's, a, it's, a, it's interesting. It's very interesting. I think a lot of people like the sensation, sensationalization of it how it's picked up by, um, you know, the story's told one way, this way, the story's told this way. And, but yeah, you think- I'm de- and by the way, I'm definitely not uh, uh, glorifying these people. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. You're- but, but they're human beings, you know, so, so in their own way, they're, they're struggling with, with their situations. Right. And I have one character uh, in the, in Lonesome Roads. Uh, it's uh a sort of a female mafia boss type person who doesn't want to be in it anymore, <laughs> you know, and is trying to get out. Yeah. So what it sounds like is your character, Detective Peter O'Keefe, is somebody that the general public can relate to. It's almost like they see their self in him. They can see the struggles, his inner things that he's going through and he he's a real life person to them and i think that's why they're going to connect with him so much is they're going to see him as real jump off the page type of character versus an over sensationalized version of what you see on the the stuff that um isn't as connectable per se he's definitely not as i mean Obviously, this kind of stuff connects, but he's definitely not a superhero. He's a guy that, yeah. that's uh, making his own mistakes and struggling along. And but and, those are the ones where you see, in, you know, in TV shows. Because I watch the TV show criminal TV shows like Criminal Minds, Bones. Those are my favorite. Mm-hmm. But those are the ones you see ten, fifteen um, uh, series. You know, you see the those different. Um, they go on for 10, 15, 20 years versus mm. the one-off or the two-off. And those are, they have the characters like the Peter O'Keefe's and stuff like that. Those mm-hmm. ones where they jump off the page and they're people you want to be like. They're people you want to rescue you if you ever yeah. Yeah. are in a bind or something like yeah. that. Do you and think the other that- thing I'm trying to do is build this ensemble of characters mm. beyond just him, his partners and his detective agency his lawyer buddy his daughter plays a huge role in this most recent book uh kind of undertakes her own uh investigation trying to get rid of a potential stepfather that she doesn't want well that sounds really interesting because i know there's there's a lot of a lot of families that have that that Uh, dynamic right right there So let me ask you this. Do you think that your law career has played a big um, part in your writing? 
Yeah. Well, uh, you know, there's that left brain, right brain thing. I'm, yeah. And I'm not sure how that really works. Uh, not writing per se, but it has given me uh, plots. You know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I've been in, in the finance bankruptcy arena where there's been a lot of uh, uh, business failures, a lot of fraud uh, and all that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that has really, for example, Mink Eyes, the first book. And, and I got to say, only the premise is, is, is real because the rest of it is definitely <laughs> not. But I had, I had a case as a young lawyer involving a mink farm. And, uh, and, and that, that was such an incredible experience to, you know, some kid from the city going down to the country and seeing the, uh, dealing with this whole operation. It was a Ponzi scheme and all that. So, and that's the premise yeah. uh, of Mink Eyes. Now, uh, what, what happens to my private detective never, didn't happen to me, but, but yeah. <laughs> so, and then, and then, uh, uh, the second book, The Big Tilt, which is the one that's really probably gotten more uh, honors and critical praise. I mean, it, it was the, the Hofer Award uh, mm. book. Uh, a, a lot of it is uh, arises out of the so-called SNL crisis of, of the 80s and 90s when mm-hmm. the savings and loans were collapsing and lots mm-hmm. of uh, bank fraud and, and prosecutions for f- fraud and so on. And so in that place of significant part in that second book well i i I dare to say that you have plenty of material obviously (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) and we can move right on through the 90s and on you know so so so. yeah now you you say that one of the things that you love the most about the legacy award was that it was cross genre that you it, it showed that you had and you wanted to eventually move away, not away from, but you want to expand from the true crime and detective eventually, and you want to expand into other genres. What, what would you think would be another project that you're going to work on? Well, uh, the problem with this O'Keefe business is that uh, when you only have so much of your life left, left and it may not be as much as his life in the books i mean so that tends to it's starting to dominate me you know so so my main goal is to make those books real literature you know Mm -hmm. stick with the john make it interesting but also the first two books that i published one was a book of poetry and and another was a book of short stories completely literary type type fiction uh, so I don't have something like that planned, you know, mm-hmm. at this point, uh, because, um, because I got this other thing going, but for example, I, I wrote a short story recently that's been kind of buzzing around in my head for years mm-hmm. and, uh, and I'm sending that out to, you know, contests and stuff like that. So, so I, I don't know where it's all going to eventually go. Uh, but, but right now I don't have a specific plan to do a a, a nano keep book okay. yeah it's more the the focus of the culmination of your career it, yeah right in it in this deal of starting out in the 80s and moving on through i it's, it's a great opportunity to comment on on the history of american society during that period 
you know, mm. of these characters. So why, yeah. why wouldn't I want to do that? The only challenge will be is, is, uh, uh, if he, if, if he arrives at sainthood too early, I got a problem. You know, so. <laughs> so Lonesome Road, when was it published? Uh, just, uh, last April, one year okay. ago. One year. one year ago. Wow. And are you currently working on an, another book? I am. Speak? I am. Okay. Yeah. Uh, this one uh, is is uh, very different in a way. No mafia in this one. Uh, you, you're, you're too young for it. Maybe you were a kid during it. But uh, we had the satanic panic, moral panic in the late 80s and in the 80s and 90s. Uh -huh. uh, where a wave of really hysteria and prosecution, uh -huh. including including especially focusing on daycare centers and preschools wow. and so on. Lots of teachers uh, falsely accused. I'm not saying all of them were, but lots uh -huh. of them falsely accused and, and went to jail for a long time. Uh, and so, and this book... Uh, is a fictional version of some of that. Right. It's how, hard. Hard. Yeah. I, I can only imagine. I mean, I was, um, I'm a child of 77. So, um, I was, I was young, but so I don't remember a lot of that. I know the late eighties, early nineties was a really awkward moment in mm -hmm. history altogether. Um, but I couldn't imagine the the stories that you have for that that new book coming out and yeah. how long does it normally take you to to write uh, books well it's uh, it's hard to uh know that in a way because the first three you know were really almost rooted in the past in some ways and it was just me getting them into a good position you yeah. know that, that i'd written over the years the Big Tilt, which was the second book, took about a, a year and a half. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and this one, I thought this one was going to be easy and it's been very hard. <laughs> so I've been I've been at this one uh, a, a year now and would hope to have it done by October. But yeah. I thought I was going to have it done last October, too. Uh, and some some of it's you know having a day job, but yeah. but but I I work a lot less as a lawyer than I did you know at, at one time you do age out uh, at some point, and uh, but I also work sort of manic depressively on writing I I just don't sit down and grind it all the time I have, you know I have periods where where I really don't want to write for a while, yeah. uh, so. Uh, but this one has just gotten more complicated. Hopefully, that's a good thing, and that I, I can pull it pull it off. But but uh, uh, so anyway. But worst case, I got it. I'm sure I'll have it done within two years. Yeah, I think it's really really important what you said. You said you write really manic depressively, and I like the way that you said that because I think it's important that authors write the way they feel not by a deadline, not by what the market says, not by, you know, what, what the trends say you, because what happens is you lose 
some of the authenticity of the story. And I, when I started out, I listened to a lot of, a lot of what people said, I have to do it this way. I have to do it that way. But when I look back at my writing then, and I look at my writing now, because now I'm writing authentically to my characters and my, and my art, I can tell the difference in my writing. I can tell the difference in the flow. I can see the force, how it was forced versus the flow of it. So I think that however long it takes to get the next Peter O'Keefe out, it, the, the authenticity is going to be the most important part. And that's the beauty of it. And I think that your fans, obviously you've got some great fans and the awards that you've accumulated throughout your career is awe inspiring. It really is. Cause I've, if everybody, you know, we, we haven't spoke about all of it here, but anyone watching this, please go back it, throughout the show notes and look at, all the stuff that is listed out because Dan has surely accumulated a, a massive fan base as well as put the work in through mm-hmm. the self-publishing mm-hmm. route to say, look, I'm going to do this and I'm going to take the time to do what needs to be done and put myself out there. And, and it's been absolutely amazing to read about it. I'm I'm glad to hear all that. It's, you know what's funny is I I I pursued two careers that are both hard as hell. <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, uh, law is law is about conflict all the time, and this yeah. is about this is about driving yourself to to uh, uh, produce things you're doubtful of the whole way until you get to the end of it. You know, yeah. Something. And, and none of it stopped you. Absolutely none of it stopped no, you. I no. think that it catapulted you to where you are now, to that, that place where you can sit back and look and say, I did that. Yes. I did that. And, and if anyone says they can't do it, let me show them yeah. how it's yeah. possible. And that's, that's the beauty of all of it. Yeah. Yeah, but I do say I've been showered with undeserved rewards my whole life. Uh, well, you've put the work in. I, I think that they're very that, well that deserved. That is true. I, one I, thing is I've worked hard. I think they're deserved at this point, Dan, so don't sell yourself too short. I'm going to add the uh, the links here so everyone can go and follow Dan. We've got a Facebook link, we've got the Twitter link, and we have your website as well. We're going to make it clickable here. So people will have the opportunity just to click on it. They don't have to go and find it or anything like That's that. Great. I yeah, we've it. got. And the website's going to be a lot more interesting than I'm not such a social media wizard. Yeah, social media is not for everybody. And I go dark on social media sometimes when I'm like, it's too much. I need a break. Yeah. Well, you yeah, can so... only learn so many things in your life, you know. Yeah. So it's Dan Flanagan. That's D-A-N-F-L-A-N-I-G-A-N books, B-O-O-K-S dot com for all of those who are going to listen to this later on the podcast, which will be on the end of the week because they're going to listen on Audible. They're going to listen on Apple, uh, Spotify, all of the great podcasts and Google, all of that wonderful stuff later on the week. But today, for those who are on Facebook and YouTube watching us live, they're going to be able to click on the link themselves. But Dan, I've had an absolute fabulous time being here in your presence, learning about your hustle, your drive, 
the Peter O'Keefe series. It sounds absolute fabulous. And uh, we're going to have to make sure that everyone goes and grabs a copy of it so they can learn about Peter O'Keefe, the jump off your page character detective that they can dive into the world of uh, learning about the crime of the eighties. And then they can go throughout the times and of the timeline to modern day that you will bring them into. But I get a little chatty. We all know that anyone that watches the author's porch knows that sometimes I go off on whims. So I want to make sure that I give you this opportunity before we head out for the night to get out anything that I may have missed uh, in my chattiness. Is there anything that we didn't talk about that you want to make sure we get here on the show? No, I got to kind of plug my, my two non uh, crime detective books. Yeah. And the book of poetry is, uh, people ask me what my favorite book is. It's that one. My wife died in 2011. Mm-hmm. And in a way, this book, which was kind of a, it's about her last illness and death. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, it kind of brought me back into writing and really t- did a takeoff, you know, sad she wasn't around to, to see it. But, uh, so, uh, yeah, the, that I always like to make sure people know I, I don't write just the, the O'Keefe series. but Yeah, you're definitely multifaceted. And she may not have read the O'Keefe series by holding it in her hands, but she stood over your shoulder and watched you write every single, every single word on that page. And that's the beauty of the energy that we share with people we love, regardless of what plane they're here, what plane they're serving. Uh, in our lives. So thank you for sharing that intimate piece of your life with us tonight, Dan. That was beautiful. And I love when people share those pieces because it makes us connect with them even that much more. Great. Well, thank Thanks for uh, having me. And, and uh, I'll be around trying to, to uh, go along with this Peter O'Keefe for a long time if I can. Yeah, we sure do hope so because uh, it sounds absolutely fascinating. But thanks again for being here with us. Thanks for sharing your light. Thanks for sharing your love for literature and also your love for law because we do love our law-abiding citizens. <laughs> Guys, make sure you come back and watch us here on the Author's Porch. We're going to be back in 30 minutes. We have another guest. And also make sure it is May. Get all of your articles and all of your submissions in for the magazine due on the 1st of June because the magazine will be coming out on the 4th of July. Independence Day, guys. See you guys later. Have a good night. Bye, Dan. See you, you later. You. Bye, everybody. Bye.